Thank you, guys. If you have your copy of God's Word, I would love for you to turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians. <clears throat> kind of give, going to give you a state of the church sermon today, a state of our church, our local body right here. We are the church, and the church is God's ambassadors, and we're to be his ambassadors on mission. And uh, Paul's letters to the Thessalonians, First and Second Thessalonians, they're really good examples of what a church is supposed to be doing. And uh, so I'm going to read this passage to you, and then I'm going to read to you kind of how they became believers. It was quite tumultuous. Well, follow along as I read 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 2 through 10. Paul writes, We always thank God for all of you, making mention of you constantly in our prayers. We recall in the presence of our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance. You know how we lived among you for your benefit, and you yourselves became imitators of us <clears throat> and of the Lord, when, in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we don't need to say anything, for they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you, how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Let's pray. <clears throat> Father, I do thank you for the church at Thessalonica. I thank you for their testimony recorded here for all eternity in your word. Now, Father, help us to see in our own lives, in our own church, in our own efforts, ways we can do better. But thank you for the ways we've actually been able to serve and be ambassadors for you. We want to be better at it, Father. Help us to do that. Help us to learn now. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> so, the Thessalonians, Paul wrote this letter probably not long after he had been there and shared with them the first time. So if you want to flip over to Acts chapter 17, the first eight verses kind of talks about, <clears throat> kind of talks about, well, it does talk about, it tells the story of when they became believers, when Paul and Silas and Timothy show up in Thessalonica. So verses 1 through 8 of Acts chapter 17, listen to this extraordinary experience coming to faith. I mean, most of us were probably saved at a church and we were as nice, quiet like this and really, you know, everybody was on your side. This is not what happened here. Listen to this. After they, being Paul, Timothy, and Silas, passed through Amphibolus, Amphipolis, easy for me to say, and Apollyana, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As usual, 
Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Messiah to suffer and rise from the dead. <clears throat> this Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah. Some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, including a large number of God-fearing Greeks, as well as a number of the leading women. But the Jews became jealous, and they brought together some wicked men from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city, attacking Jason's house. They searched for them to bring them out to the public assembly. When they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city officials, shouting, <clears throat> these men who have turned the world upside down have come here too. And Jason has welcomed them. They are all acting contrary to Caesar's decrees, saying there is another king, Jesus. The crowd and city officials who heard these things were upset. After taking a security bond from Jason and the others, they released them. <clears throat> what pandemonium. Paul and, and Silas and Timothy, they kind of were, were out of the scene, but the Jews got really upset, as they normally did. They got jealous. They formed a mob from unbelievers and pagan people, probably from the marketplace, and they came with false accusations against Paul and them. And, and Paul and them preached for three weeks, and then they, were had, they basically left. <clears throat> they were run out of town, in a sense. So now Paul writes them in 1 Thessalonians, and he praises their faith. Now, most of us would leave a, a, a scene like that and go, man, I don't know if anybody believed anything. Even though Luke records that some did, they're like, I don't even know if they'll last. You know, that's just pandemonium and, and persecution. But this is a young church that unfortunately heard Paul's words and trusted him. He's probably in Corinth when he writes this letter back to them. Uh, not far away, but far enough. <clears throat> but this church overcame some very, very strong persecution to accept Christ, to follow Christ, to live it out. And they became a strong witness in the region, in the area that, that Paul talks about here in the, in the first chapter of Thessalonians. Paul prays and Paul praises their faith, their service, their devotion to God. So Paul's prayer for this church, it recalls some things. It recalls their redemption their salvation, their atonement, that leads to actions, that leads to actions for the sake of the gospel mission. See, our salvation by Christ calls us to do the same thing, calls us to unite with other believers to broadcast God's message. So this morning, kind of the question is, how are we doing? How are we doing as ambassadors for Christ? And what can we do better? Those are two questions I kind of see for us to answer out of this passage. <clears throat> we can see what they did and we can see what we can do and what we have done and what we've done can do better. So let's answer two questions this morning to measure how well we represent the gospel to the world and where we can improve because we can always improve. The first question this morning, is it obvious, is it obvious to the world that we are ambassadors for Christ do they know we are representative of the Lord Jesus Christ? Look at verses 2 through 5a. Let's see what the Thessalonians were doing. Paul says, We always thank God for all of you, making mention of you constantly in our prayers. We recall 
in the presence of our God and Father, your work produced by faith, your labor motivated by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters, loved by God, that he has chosen you. Because our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and with full assurance. So let's break these down a little bit. Paul prays on a regular basis for them, and we should pray for other believers too. I put on our monthly prayer sheet one of the churches in town to pray for every month. We got nine of them here, believe it or not, in this little town. So we pray for other believers. The whole team is praying for them. Timothy, Silas, and, and Paul are praying for this church. And, in this, and, then he, and then he begins to praise them. He begins to praise them because they have demonstrated by three actions and motivated, which were motivated by three qualities, the way their faith has played out in their life. And he says God sees, God sees their work, their labor, and their endurance. They obey and serve God these ways. Now, what is work? Well, we know what work is. Do we? Yeah, we know what work is. It's routine. It's doing activity. It's acting out things. It's, it's making things happen. You know, we go to work every day. We work um, and then we get paid, those kind of things. So there's nothing really different about work except this work was focused on the gospel. And then Paul says they labor. Now that word makes a whole lot more, is a little, a little heavier. That's the same word that is used for when a pregnant woman has a baby. And that's a lot of labor. That's toil. The other word that might get translated in the Bible is travail. We don't use that word a whole lot, but they, were, they, they went through some toil and travail for the sake of the gospel. It's a burden. It's an exertion. It's more than just routine daily work. It's a little bit more. And then there's the endurance. The fact that they're just pushing, pushing through. Pushing through the event. Pushing through the persecution. So like I said, ordinary, work is ordinary daily and routine. Labor is like birthing a child. And endurance is being present, whatever is going on, staying the course. And that's what they did. Those were their actions. But those actions wouldn't happen if they didn't have three particular qualities that motivated them. These actions would be difficult without the motivators that that Paul talks about here. Faith, love, and hope. Faith, love, and hope. Does that sound familiar? The book of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 ends with that. These three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. See, Paul's already pointing to the fact that, that their faith in Christ gives them work to do. And they're doing it. Their love for Christ calls them to stay the course and labor through it. Travail through it. Push through it. And then their hope in Christ always points to our eternal home. It's not a wishful thinking hope. It's a promise that is going to come true. And we hope we build our life on that promise. So these young Christians, relatively young, probably months old, are doing these very things and more. But why does Paul praise their behavior in such a way? Well, I'm glad you asked that question because he knows, he knows that they are born again that they are saved. He knows. He declares that to them. They are, he knows by these actions and these motivators, these qualities, 
that they are saved, that his message did not go out and return void. He says, God chose you. God chose you for eternal life. He predestined you to be saved by grace through faith. That's what he's telling them. God has, has made it happen. And they love and they obey God because God chose them. Which should be our motivation too, right? None of us are in here because of our own efforts. None of us are in here because we decided one day that we thought it was a good idea to believe in Jesus. God chose us out of love. That's what grace does. See, if we had anything to do with it, it would be works. But it's not. It's all of grace. And Paul knows this by how their lives are being played out. The way they, their lives demonstrate the fact that they have been elected to salvation. They have been predestined to it. So Paul preached to them this gospel under very challenging circumstances. You know, <clears throat> I mean, Paul's not afraid of a fight. <laughs> you see that if you read the book of Acts. He's never afraid of a fight. But they believed even with all the pressure and everything else going on around them. They received it and they believed it. And the team that was with Paul saw them radically changed. And now hears about them being radically changed by the word of God, by the Spirit's power, which is the only way anybody's ever saved. And then by the full assurance of their regeneration. They knew and they accepted it and they lived it out. And it was obvious that they had turned to Christ and accepted their role as ambassadors for Jesus. It's obvious. Paul was, wow, he was excited. He was ecstatic. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, it tells us how we become this ambassador. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. <clears throat> this is where Paul finally writes it down. He says, we're, we're ambassadors. We need to be ambassadors for Christ. But it, he tells us also here how it happens. <clears throat> Second Corinthians 5, 17 through 21. Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and see, the new has come. Everything is from God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and he has committed the message of reconciliation to us. <clears throat> we have that message. Therefore, Paul writes, we are ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us. He pleads on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. He made the one who did not know sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. See, once you get saved, you're an ambassador, whether you like it or not. You are officially, for eternity, appointed as an ambassador of the kingdom of heaven. Officially. You don't have any choice in the matter. So you need to live that way. You need to live it out. See, because ambassadors are appointed. They're not elected. Ambassadors are always chosen. And you are, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you are an ambassador for Christ. Now, how would anybody know? How would anybody know that we are ambassadors for Jesus? How would they know? I mean, we look like, other, we look like normal people, right? He said once a week we gather here. That might be a little different in our 
What would convince someone that you are an ambassador for Christ? <clears throat> well, in terms of our church, I'm going to talk about some changes that have happened over the last several years that have communicated to this community and to the world, I think, our faith is a little bit stronger, that we have faith in Jesus Christ. In this last year, 12 people have completed a discipleship course, three different books over the course of the whole year, and they did it faithfully, faithfully, fully engaged at every turn. They completed these, but that's not the big news. The big news is, and the best part is that they're looking for people to take through this same program or to disciple in any form or fashion that, that we decide. They're looking for ways and people to share the lessons they learned because that's what Christianity does. It replicates, it repeats, because that's how we learn. That's what Jesus did with the, the original 12, and he expects us to do the same. Also, these 12 people, I've noticed, they live with more awareness of their faith and how it impacts the world that they, they need to be more vocal about it, they need to share it more, they need to find ways to help other believers become more firm in their foundation. That's one of the things that's changed over the last year. <clears throat> but since 2021, many of you have decided to read your Bible more. You've come and told me, and that's great. I love it. You've got questions. <laughs> that's great. It is. If we don't ever ask questions, we don't ever learn. Just look at Jesus in the Gospels. He's always asking the disciples questions, prompting them. Some of you have committed to praying more, privately and corporately. You've also committed to help in different ways that you could. I've seen it. Others have seen it. God has been good to us, and he's using you. But see, an ambassador of Christ doesn't have to have this big pomp and circumstance ceremony, you know. There's no, there's no ordination service for us, an ambassador of Christ. The minute you become a believer in Jesus Christ, you are his ambassador. And it is a quiet, meek, humble, faithful service. But it's also obvious because you're talking about something most people don't want to talk about. Jesus Christ. See, faithfulness to Jesus represents him to the world. I mean, faithfully coming to church, that's one of the representations. Faithfully bringing him up in conversations. Faithfully living out like these guys did, their, their work, their labor, their endurance. <clears throat> Those things tell the world that you're an ambassador for Christ. Always looking to do the good thing, the right thing, the thing that will help someone. Serving selflessly. I've seen that happen. And like the Thessalonians, serving God in faith, love, and hope tells the lost that we are God's children, that we needed salvation, and they can have it too. We want to tell people that. Our redemption in Christ is not one-time event, and then you're done. We don't believe that. The Bible doesn't teach that. So it's not, I've got fire insurance, I'm going, going to heaven, see you later. That's not a true disciple of Christ, and that's not a true born-again believer. A born-again believer comes back and lives his life for Christ. That's being an ambassador. God has called us by the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, his son. He's called us to represent his gospel to the world. And we got to get busy. We got to get busy. So this year, if you want a resolution, plan to read your Bible more. More may be one more verse a day. I don't, I don't, I'm not going to measure the more. You do. 
plan to read your Bible more. Take part in the discipleship that we're going to do. We're going to start another group for sure. But plan on these things. There was a, a, a survey this week asked me a question about what's the one res resolution that changed your life the most and that you kept. And it was reading my Bible through every year. That was, I've done it for 10 years now. I'm not bragging. It's just, it's changed my life and my perspective on God's word. Read your Bible more. So to answer the question, is our, is our ambassadorship obvious to the world? I hope it is. I think it is as a church. I think we're, we're getting better and we're growing. But the second question I want to answer this morning is, has our ambassadorship been an example to other ambassadors of Christ? Let's look at what happened with the, the church at Thessalonica. <clears throat> Verses 5b, the hat back half, we'll start there. You know how we lived among you for your benefit. And you yourselves became imitators of us and of the Lord. When, in spite of severe persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For the word of the Lord rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. Therefore, we don't need to say anything. For they themselves report what kind of reception we had from you. How you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for his son from heaven whom he raised from the dead. Jesus who rescues us from the coming wrath. So the team's message to them, their example, their faith that they lived in front of them in that short little three-week period when they were preaching in Thessalonica made a difference made a difference, regardless of the persecution and the turmoil that was going on. It gave them a pattern to imitate at Thessalonica. And the Thessalonians did. And from their teaching, these new believers began to imitate Christ. They began to look like Jesus among the severe persecution. In spite of it, actually. I, I've, I've listened to and, and read some testimonies that sometimes some of these persecuted believers, they, they just want to keep saying the name Jesus over and over just to aggravate their persecutors. They just enjoy it. It's like, I got nothing to lose. I know where I'm going. So in spite of persecution, the Thessalonians stayed true to Jesus. Now, we need to ask ourselves, honestly, here in America, we need to ask ourselves, what is persecution? Okay, let's define it for, because it is not ridicule. Okay, if someone if someone spurns you because you are a believer and says, oh, you you're weak because you need that crutch of Christianity or that crutch of religion. That's not persecution. That's someone that's talking out of ignorance. Really? Is it difficulties? No, not really. That's not persecution. Threats and actions against Jesus by taking it out on your physical life. That's persecution. I read an article this morning of, of, the, of the persecution and the slaughter and the massacre that's going on in the country of Nigeria. 140 Christians were killed last week. The, the Islamic terrorists are coming from the north to the south, and they're doing terrible things. Boko Haram is the, is the specific people, but that's persecution, and we've never faced that. Most of us have never faced it. Most of us have never gone overseas. But these new Gentile believers, they had faced it. I mean, 
Jason had to put up a security bond. We read in Acts chapter 17. They, some were arrested, I'm sure. And when you're arrested during the Roman Empire times, it's not cable TV and air conditioning and a nice place where you get visitors all the time. It is not a happy place. The prisons were always the worst place in the world to be. But they not only became imitators, but they welcomed the gospel. They welcomed the fact that they knew it. They never, never once thought, I wish Paul had never come here. They never thought that. They welcomed it with joy. You know what joy is? It's peaceful contentment with God. With God and God alone and his son, Jesus Christ. Peaceful contentment. No matter what you do to me, my soul is secure. What can man do to me? I do not fear him. The uh, psalmist writes, <clears throat> Only the Holy Spirit can give someone that kind of joy. And that's what happened here. The Holy Spirit living in us can give us that kind of joy in the midst of the terrible persecution. Those Nigerian pastors and Nigerian Christians who are being, and I'm talking women, children, and everybody, are being slaughtered. They have peace. They have a joy that they know where their eternal home is. And it only comes by the Holy Spirit. If you want to see some other examples, read Fox's Book of Martyrs. It's a tragedy. It's sad. You read Acts chapter 16 where Paul and Silas are in the Philippian jail. What were they doing in the middle of the night in the worst prison they could possibly be in? They were singing. They were praising God. And they had the other prisoners intrigued. So that when the doors flew open after the earthquake, the prisoners just stayed put. Wow. So Paul now, he's, he's praised them for all of this. But he now tells them, here's the result of your enduring faith. Your enduring ambassadorship. Now, most likely the Thessalonians did not know this till Paul wrote them. First of all, you've been an example in the region of Macedonia and Acacia, Achaia, which is actually today modern Greece. So that peninsula that sticks out there that we call Greece today, that's where those two regions were. The, the churches there were, were hearing and seeing, I think. Other believers were emboldened in their faith in those regions. So they've been an example. And it had, it had, you know, word of mouth is still the best form of advertising. It had spread. It had spread. But also, Paul says, their faith had shouted. He says it rang out. That word means shouted, trumpeted, screamed in a sense. Their faith had screamed out the gospel beyond their own region. Beyond their own region. You know what this means? They sent missionaries. A three-week-old a three church sent missionaries. Wow. That's a big change. That's a big change. I'm sorry. <clears throat> That's amazing. And they sent them out to regions beyond just Macedonia and Achaia. They sent them to other regions called Thrace and Moesia and Dalmatia and even Asia. Now, those places today, we know them as North Macedonia. We know them as Albania, Turkey, Bosnia, Serbia, Montenegro, Kosovo, and Croatia. We know those places now. That's what we know. And that's where they sent missionaries. I don't know how many. May not have been very many. But it was enough because people were telling Paul about it. People were getting the word to Paul. Hey, there's this group coming from Thessalonica and there are people coming up here planting churches. So praise the Lord. They were making Jesus known in places that Paul had not yet been. But he heard they were there and he praised them for it. They were making disciples. They were representing Jesus Christ in places that Paul had not been. There's still places on this planet 
Jesus Christ's name has not been uttered. There still are. There's about 7,000 people groups that still have not been actively engaged with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so we have a message. They had a message. The Thessalonians, here's their message to anybody they talked to as they spread out. Here's what, here's what they said. This team came to us, this, these guys, Paul, Timothy, Silas, they came to us and they preached to us and they lived out their message in front of us and we believed. That's the first part of their message. Here's the rest of it. Then we turned to God from idols. We turned to God from a re and rejected the pagan religion. We turned away from idols that never did anything for us. And we turned and served the one true living God. That's salvation. And it says, and the rest of their message goes like this. Now we wait. We wait for a savior to come back. We wait for Jesus to return, to take our bodies to heaven. And save us from God's absolute wrath. Absolute in that it will not leave anybody out that doesn't believe in Jesus. It will cover everybody. If you, want to, if you want to hear about it, go read the book of Revelation. It is not a fun place to be on the other side, the wrong side of God's wrath. That's the message that they told them. And the method of, their method was to send out people to be true ambassadors of Jesus Christ. It's very simple words. The words are not very complicated to tell people. It's your testimony. This is what Jesus did for me, and this is what he's called me to do, and this is what I've been doing, and this is what I'm waiting on. That's easy. The life is a little more difficult. The life to live that out is a little more difficult. Going back to, <clears throat> going back to 2 Corinthians chapter 6, after Paul has told him how to become an ambassador, now he tells him what life is like as an ambassador. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 4 through 10, Paul writes this. Instead, as God's ministers, we commend ourselves in everything by great endurance, by afflictions, by hardships, by difficulties, by beatings, by imprisonments, by riots, by labors, by sleepless nights, by times of hunger, by purity, by knowledge, by patience, by kindness, by the Holy Spirit, by sincere love, by the word of truth, by the power of God, through weapons of righteousness for the right hand and the left, <clears throat> through glory and dishonor, through slander and good report, regarded as deceivers yet true, unknown yet recognized, as dying yet we see we live as being disciplined, yet not killed, as grieving, yet always rejoicing, as poor, yet enrich, enriching many, as having nothing, yet possessing everything. You see the contrast Paul paints there. Life is tough. As a believer and as an ambassador, you may face some tough stuff. But there's always a good side to that. There's always a purpose in that. There's always an eternal reward in that. I looked this up yesterday because I was curious. The longest held American POW, prisoner of war, was Colonel Floyd Thompson. He spent nine years in prison. 
3,278 days, if you want something more exact. That's a long time to be in a Vietnamese prison. A long time. What was his message when he was released? Did he renounce his commission? Did he renounce his citizenship to America? It's like, I'm done with you guys. Nine years, man, alive. No. No, he didn't. He didn't. He had a hard time when he got out, but he remained faithful to what he had committed to as an army officer. And we should too. We've been called to that kind of commitment, regardless of how hard it gets, regardless of how tough it gets. So the question we're going to talk about today is what kind of ambassadorship does our church, our little local body here, what does it portray? How has our message gone out? And it has, believe it or not. <clears throat> our message has gone out. We've not been treated as bad as Paul has, or Colonel Thompson even, but we have met some challenges, and God has been faithful to bring us through those. Over 10 years ago, this body found itself in some financial difficulties, but God provided, and we're still here, praise the Lord. About six years ago, this body gave about 7.5% of their receipts to missions, to some sort of active, ongoing mission of the gospel. Obviously, paying for the building and everything is part of the mission too, but to directly to missionaries, about 7.5%. In 2024, it'll be 21% of our receipts will go to missions directly, to some that are directly funded, so to the cooperative program. So I would say that this body has struggled, but it's persevered in representing the, the gospel the mission of the gospel. On top of that 21%, last year, we gave $2,685 to Lottie Moon. That goes directly to the mission field, the international mission field. We gave $2,302 to Annie Armstrong, which goes to the mission field in North America, planning churches. We gave $2,000 to the state of Illinois mission offering for missions right here in our state. You know, there are still counties in this state that do not have an evangelical church. There are still a couple of counties, counties, that do not have an active, vibrant evangelical church. Not just a Baptist church, an evangelical church. Hard to believe, right? We're in the middle of the United States, but we do. So we gave $2,000 to help that. We gave $1,796 to the Baptist Children's Home and Family Services, helping orphans, helping counseling, helping pregnant women uh, have their baby, helping women that may think they're pregnant decide what to do. These offerings go directly to the mission field in a lot of capacities. And it proclaims, it screams out the word of God, like Paul talked about the Thessalonians doing. It trumpets the gospel of Jesus Christ. You know, this year, I may be bragging a little bit, but I'll talk about that in a minute. This year, in Illinois, we broke into the top 100 churches in giving in all categories that they measure. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. Because we're just giving. We're praying about it, and we're giving. We're not trying to break into the top 100. We're not trying to earn any kind of accolades. We're just knowing that the gospel needs to be funded and we're sending funds after. Praise God. When I got here six years ago, we weren't in any of the top hundreds. So give credit to God. You have done well. 
But also this year, we have sent $5,000 to India for evangelistic crusades. We also gave a scholarship to a lady in Zambia so she could take college classes. And we also sent $2,000 to Japan to buy a video board or a video monitor to put outside the church so that commuters could see what the church is doing. Remember, Jap Japan is one of the most closed countries. But I want you to see, we got a video. I want you to see where that, that video monitor is. Emily sent me a, a video of this a few weeks ago. And so we want to play that video now. And she'll tell you where it is. The TV sits right under this canopy that you can see here. Um, so you can see the TV from about 80 yards away. Um, this is the view walking up to the church. And um, as you can see here, the people are just piling up. Every few minutes this happens. And you can have up to 30 people easily sitting here listening to the TV. So this is really exciting. You're about to see the kind of message that um, is going to roll on the TV in just a second. My God, he holds the victory. As you can see, as people line up there all day, they're going to hear how they can have freedom, purpose, and fulfillment in Jesus. And not only that, but they're going to hear about opportunities for them to come study English, study the Bible, find community, but most importantly, have a relationship with Jesus. And so we're so excited to share with you how God uses this TV to bring people to Him and to bring them closer to church. Um, it's going to open up a world of opportunity for so many people. So thank you so much, and we can't wait to share more with you. Amen. You see it where the trains come, people gather there. They didn't have as many people. I think they did. They took it at a time where they could actually take a video because that area would fill up with people. They wouldn't even be able to see that. You wouldn't be able to see the video board, but it's communicating the gospel. And one of the things that the Japanese are attracted to is video and video of people having a good time, smiling, chatting with another Japanese person. They don't do that over there. They're very close. They're very antisocial sometimes and and a lot of them are screaming and crying out for some sort of social interaction and so the the video draws them to that and so their numbers have been going up they're they're getting to the point where they need a, a the whole building that they're in they're not they don't have that whole building that was standing behind the video board so you're helping make that happen so thank you and emily thanks you now, like I said, it, it may sound like we're, I'm bragging a little bit, and I don't want to, it to be taken that way at all. I just want you to know what you've done. I want you to know what you've done and to praise God for it. Because it's not one person, it's all of us. This is not to publish or post or boast at all. This is for us to praise God. Thank Him for letting us participate in some amazing things all over the world from Zambia to Japan we've been able to communicate the gospel but that also calls us to keep our eye on the future to keep our eye on how we can be an ambassador some other way while we continue to do these things we don't get to relax it is the end of this year but we got another year coming tomorrow starts it all over again we don't get to relax we don't get to stop looking for ways we're going to keep pressing on 
Because, you know, as a matter of fact, most of us probably can't go somewhere else as an, a physical ambassador. We recognize that fact. We can't. Some of us can't pick up and move to Zambia or Zimbabwe or Israel or Nigeria. No, we can't do that. But we can be one right here. We've, we've been doing it with our funds. We can also be an ambassador right here because this town, this community, this county, this state needs people representing Jesus Christ on a daily basis to them to spread the gospel. God puts you here to represent him. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. People ask me all the time, why in the world would you move to Illinois? God, and I haven't regretted a minute of it because that's where God wants me. So has our ambassadorship been an example? Yes, it has. You've shown Jesus to many who would have never heard the gospel before. Many. From being shoebox missionaries to a community fall festival out here that the, unit, the community enjoyed, God has used you for his glory. For his glory. And I thank you. Now we just need to keep fighting the good fight. Don't give up. Don't give in. God has plenty for us to do. And we saw in these passages about the Thessalonians, <clears throat> we saw their diehard efforts as a young, young church, their diehard effort to put the gospel out there, to send missionaries to regions that Paul hadn't even explored yet. And they were great ambassadors for the Lord Jesus Christ. We are looking to do the same thing. We are God's ambassadors, and that is the role of the church. Until Jesus comes back, we are to be that embassy. I was looking for the right word. Embassy for God. So let's keep showing the world our Lord by giving, by serving, by living, by loving, and by faithfulness. Let's do that because it's a glorious thing to do. We will start a new discipleship class in a, few in a month or so. We will begin the process of installing elders, and we'll make sure that the, we do that on God's timing. We will explore more ways to display the gospel in Altamont and the uttermost parts of the world. So help me God, as long as God allows us to do it. So let's take some time right now and pray for that. Pray that you will pray. Pray that you will pray relentlessly for this. Pray that you will pray for God's wisdom and God's help in 2024. We want God to lead us in this. We don't want to be doing it on our own. The Thessalonians didn't, and we're not called to do that. So we're going to have a time of quiet prayer. If you want to come to the front and pray, we'll have a time of silent prayer. And after a time, I will close us out. So let's pray.